It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. We've got plenty to cover. We're in the 11th hour of the walleye and pike season, so we'll focus on some other species this week. We've got pout tackets, perch tackets, crappie tackets. Jason Freed and Brian Brosdahl will both weigh in on that, plus reports on what kind of condition some of our favorite lakes are in with all this snow we've had, and another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our lake and field segment brought to you by Orzen mine in Crosby, your one-stop shop for ice fishing in the Cuyuna Lakes area, lures, fresh bait, and your propane filling station for the Cuyuna Lakes, Ores and Mine, located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick the show off with our local report. We bring in Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures, and uh, Jason always keeping us uh, updated on what's going on around the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, and of course what's happening north of us up on Leech Lake as well, and obviously a very big event this weekend, Jason, up on uh, Leech Lake, you're involved in it. And that is the Eel Pout Festival. Uh, a lot of people up there for that. And the one thing that, that we do want to let people know that there's going to be some restrictions as far as vehicles go because uh, the ice conditions up there are not perfect, shall we say. No, no. And it's not uh, anything as drastic as we've had, you know, two or three other times with with in regards to restrictions. But there's a, a decent-sized area just uh, kind of out in front of Chase on the lake um, that's, uh, kind of, that's going to be blocked off, not allowed. Um, you know, just because there is so much weight on the ice, the last thing that they want is are people driving around and, and you know creating some more problems. And so, by uh, three o'clock on Friday, um, no vehicles within that area. It'll all be blocked off. It's been posted on uh, the Yelpaw Facebook page and and such. So I think people are pretty aware of it. But you are able to have your your vehicles out out of that area. And so a lot of people, I think, will probably have their fish houses out a little bit farther, maybe from some of the other festivities this year that they'll be able to get to it. I know they've been busy plowing and, and, uh, you know, doing some cutouts and such for uh, people to get parked. And, you know, I know guys have been kind of working nonstop this week. It's sounds like a lot of the water and slush, um, as, as receipt as receded in some of the areas. Um, I sounds like, you know, if you get off in some other areas where there's been a lot of snow or areas, you're still going to run into some, but, uh, it does sound like things have, uh, definitely taken a turn for the better here this this last week compared to what we were th- talking about last week so yeah i mean it sounds like it's gonna be a big crowd i know i was looking on social media there and when they post the restrictions there was very very few uh, negative comments so that usually bodes well for the crowd that's about ready to come up north yeah and as we record this on wednesday uh we kind of dodged a bullet too uh with a lot of the snow that we've got a lot of that stayed south of us jason if we would have gotten probably twice as much as we did things could have been a little messy up there yeah, for sure. We, we're very fortunate here in our area, the Barrett Lakes, and up in the Walker area not to get that 10-plus inches of snow. Uh, it does look like we're going to get some snow here later this week, and then looks like chances of snow all weekend up there. But hopefully it will be manageable enough, and it's not going to be anything too too heavy or um, too much accumulation. But, uh, you know, those are those little things we can manage. And 
But uh, thankfully, we didn't get that storm. That could have really um, made for some uh, interesting conditions out on the ice. That's for sure. Uh, we're going to get back to eelpout here in just a second and talk a little bit about some tactics because that's one of the uh, species that we'll be going after here in the coming weeks because uh, the walleye and northern pike season wraps up this weekend, Jason. And with the conditions on the ice, not only on leech, but a lot of our favorite lakes, walleye lakes, uh, I, I guess the, the ice season for walleye and pikers is kind of going out with a whimper, isn't it? Yeah, I think a lot of people are uh, kind of packing her up, packing her in for the year when it comes to walleye fishing and, and some of the ice fishing here. This past week has been rough and tons and tons. I've heard talk to guys and seen things online, and it's just been kind of some horror stories of uh, people trying to get their fish houses off the lake. And um, you know, that's that's not that's not anything fun or have to deal with. You know, that's that's when stuff breaks and such. So I think a lot of people have kind of uh, laid it late, laid off things. And uh, you know, I mean, if you are going to get out this weekend. Um, the definite modes of transportation are going to be, you know, snowmobiles and track vehicles and, you know, snow bears and that kind of stuff. And, you know, being able to get some areas where there's roads plowed, you know, and but uh, it's going to be pretty much limited to if you have the ability to get around with some, some of those modes of transportation. And so, you know, once again, like kind of a you know broken record, but, you know, if you have the opportunity to have any of those kinds of things, you know, seek out some areas that maybe haven't been fished and, and, uh, and see if you can get to some of those areas kind of for a last-ditch uh, effort for the walleye season here. And, and then, uh, you know, from there, just kind of start uh, focusing on what's, what's to come. I mean, we're going to have a late ice bite, obviously. Uh, hopefully we'll get the snow to melt a little bit more here in March. And, uh, but start kind of maybe putting the walleye gear away and uh, the tip-ups and all that kind of stuff and start uh, maybe getting the uh, late ice fishing gear for the panfish and the crappies. And obviously those fish are going to still hang around in the basins here in the meantime in the Barrier Lakes area. That's where the best best panfish bites been in a lot of the smaller lakes just finding those smaller basins and then focusing on that but obviously as late ice comes those fish are going to start to move shallow as soon as the, we get more oxygen going down in the lake underneath the ice and as we know when we've talked about in the past that's just obviously one of the best times to be on the ice is, is late ice you could be out there in a sweatshirt and bibs and, and boots and you could be bopping around and hole hopping and this is, sometimes you don't even need a, a flash or anything you just can you know sight fish them and then hop from all the hole because a lot of times you're fishing pretty shallow so it's it's an exciting time for perch and crappies and bluegills and obviously eel pout. Uh, we're hitting that time year now where the eel pout are starting to spawn. And um, as we move into that, uh, you know, usually the last week of February and, and then into the first couple of weeks of March is kind of prime time for eel pouts. So if you like to get your slime on, now is the time. <laughs> I love that term. Absolutely love that term. Uh, we've talked with Matt Brewer many times uh, about, you know, targeting eel pout and some of the tactics and stuff, Jason. Uh, for those that maybe are, are of that angler that all of a sudden has flipped the switch to where, you know, they're not an ugly rough fish anymore. This is a game fish, uh, and they want to start maybe uh, approaching it a little bit differently. Tactic-wise, what do you like to do, Jason, when you uh, go after eel pout? Well, the nice thing is you don't have to go buy a whole bunch of brand-new fishing rods and reels. You don't have to have anything, you know, super spe- you know, specific to the species. You can, you can use your standard walleye gear. Um, you know, a lot of your walleye tackle is going to work, but honestly, it's super simple and easy. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of the diehard um, eel pout guys are going to tell you pretty much need two things, um, either a big, heavy glow spoon, uh, like trout and pout makes uh, these spoons and they, they've become very well known here in the Midwest the last few years, uh, to trout anglers. And usually just, you got to keep it glowing. That's, that's the key thing. And, and so those trout and pout spoons, for example, they just have a, a glow that seems to last a lot longer than some of the other products on the market. So uh, you want to you want to have a good good headlamp. Uh, you want to have that something that you can keep your stuff glowing. 
Uh, so with a spoon and then just putting a minnow um, on each on each of the treble hooks and then just pounding that in the bottom and really kind of creating some ruckus and, and stirring up things on the bottom. And then the other one that you know almost pretty much everybody in America has at home are just simple jigs. And a lot of guys just use a, like a quarter ounce um, or three-eighths ounce, quarter ounce probably a little bit because it's a little bit heavier, uh, and just a glow, uh, you know, typically like a glow white jig or a glow green jig. And same thing, gob some uh, some minnows on there, and uh, you know it's it's kind of an ugly presentation, but uh, they come in, and a lot of times they're super aggressive and they'll hit it. So this is the time of year, you know, you want to focus on areas where there's um, you know humps uh, or areas that have steep breaks. Those fish like to come up on those steep breaks, and as we as you progress farther into the spawn here, they're gonna right now, you know, they're gonna be a little bit deeper on those breaks right now. Um, you know, anywhere from maybe 25 to 32 feet of water. But as we evolve here in the next few weeks, um, they're going to move up shallower and shallower. And, and anywhere where there's sand somewhat nearby uh, is an area. I know on leech there's some real prime spawning grounds where a lot of guys will catch them now. And, and there's always some sand flats nearby. So um, it, it's really quite something. You know, I know Matt, uh, he's a guru of it all, and I've learned a lot from him. But um, it's, just, it's nothing too difficult and nothing too hard. Just grab your walleye gear. Um, you know, a lot of the areas where you catch walleyes, you'll catch yellow pout. Um, you know, grab a few uh, glow spoons and some glow jigs and uh, go grab a, some minnows. The nice thing about the minnows is you don't have to keep them alive because you're putting two, three on a hook and you're beating and you're banging them along the, the bottom. And uh, you can literally, honestly, go pick them up and throw them in a bag and, and don't, don't have to worry about keeping them alive. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a fun tactic. And if you want to catch a fish that really can fight, um, you know, I, I know it's, it's amazing that those things are so aerodynamic in the water and, and, uh, they're a lot of fun to catch. And, and for some guys, they like to eat them, you know? So it's uh, another thing I've, uh, I've tried it a couple of times and I've had good, good eel pout and I've had other eel pout that I wasn't as tasty. So, uh, the jury's still out for me, but I know a lot of guys who really enjoy it. So it's, uh, if you haven't done it and you kind of like to, you know, I mean, maybe you're not quite into the, the crappie and the panfish type of bite. You like something that uh, fights a little harder then uh, definitely give the Yopal fishing a try. You know, are they mostly at night, Jason? And I ask this because most of the question, or the pictures that I have seen of really nice Yopal being caught look like it's mostly at night. But this past weekend at the Garrison DU tournament, Yopal won that. So is it mostly a night bite, or do they bite throughout the day? You know, you can catch them throughout the day. Uh, it's definitely the percent of catching them throughout the day is a lot less during January and, you know, December, January, February, you know, through much of the ice season. As that spawn starts to happen here in uh, late February and early March, you can catch them all day long because um, they, they just they, they seem to be more active. Uh, they move up shallower. Uh, typically, you know, like this time of year, you're still going to – you might catch – you're still going to catch a few during the day, but a lot of times the best bite is going to be uh, after dark because um, for some reason they, they do seem to be a little bit more nocturnal. Uh, but I, so I'd assume right now the best bite's still going to be, you know, uh, kind of during that those prime time, and then obviously after dark, where a lot of guys will pick them up. I know during the festival, um, you know, they have little windows, you know, little feeding windows where guys will catch them, you know, right, uh, right when the sun goes down. There's usually a good one, and then there's usually one or two bites uh, throughout the night, and then obviously right away in the morning. Uh, and, and, and then you'll hear guys catch maybe a few here during the day. But as we get closer into early March. Uh, that day bite uh, it will definitely pick up, and guys will catch more fish during the day. There you go. Some good stuff, as always, from Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. You can check him out at leisureoutdooradventures.com. Uh, Jason, good luck with the Ilpod Festival this weekend. I know you're heavily involved with that, and uh, we will check in with you next week, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Brian.
Let's head out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there from Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service. And Steve, I would imagine out there on the big pond is pretty much the same story as the rest of us. Uh, snow, snow, and more snow, and a little tricky to get around. Terribly tricky to get around, Brian. That's a good way to describe it, tricky. Uh, you know, best thing to do is go out of the resort like we've been doing. I've been talking all winter, paying the 10 bucks and get on that plowed road to where you want to head. And uh, you're not going to make it too far off the plowed road, but definitely, you know, Try to drill your holes away from the plowed road, and the fish are still biting. The main thing is getting out there. Right now we have all that slush, Brian, out there, and it's, it makes getting around very, very difficult. If you're going to go out there by yourself, let someone else know where you're at, because believe me, if you try making your own road, you will be stuck. I would think, Steve, almost the best thing to do right now, yeah, you may have a wheelhouse that you want to use, but can you get it to where you want to go? Maybe you want to put up a pop-up shelter or something like that and move around, which you're not going to be able to do. I would almost think these resorts that have sleeper houses set in their spots, that might be just the best way to do it. I think that's the, the smartest way, too, Brian. Besides the best, like you said, it's the smartest way to do it. You know, Give them a little extra money, even though you got a wheelhouse. they got it set up. They're on the hot spots and everything. You're guaranteed to go have fun. Because right now, the only way you're going to get your wheelhouse out there or any of your portables and stuff like that is you're going to have to get out there and shovel. And I tell you what, it's a little bit difficult with all this heavy, heavy snow trying to shovel out a spot big enough. And then you have to contend with the slush. That's the other matter. And as soon as you drill a hole, you're going to have water all over the place. So definitely, your idea is the best, Brian. Go to where there's a house already, and you don't have to worry about going through the work. I would if I could. Yeah, and most of that, those houses are, are, you know, they have roads plowed right out to them. Uh, if you have any issues or anything like that, if you do get uh, stuck or something like that, resorts can come out and help you out. I mean, to me, that's a no-brainer. That is a no-brainer, and that's the way to go. You know, the plowed roads are the main thing right now, and that's the asset. The snow we got and the snow we're going to get, it's not going to get any better. In fact, I can see if, if this doesn't, uh, if we don't get a hot spell coming up to melt a lot of the snow, we're going to have bad ice worse than we've ever seen in years, and that's not a good thing either. Yeah, so that's something else we got to look at. On the flip side, though, Steve, uh, for those that do want to get out and snowmobile a little bit, this has been a year like none other. Uh, Mille Lacs has got tons of snowmobile trails all around, not only around the lake, but through the lake and that whole area out there. How are the trails looking? I, I know you try to spend a little time out and doing some snowmobiling, too. I would imagine they're in decent shape, huh? They're beautiful. I mean, I do love snowmobiling. There is no doubt. And, you know, Mille Lacs Lake area is gorgeous. That Sioux Line Trail they got and all the other trails that are around uh, Mille Lacs Lake are groomed, very well groomed. They're hard packed and everything. They're well used. It's a scenic adventure. It really is, especially with all that new snow and everything. If you're going on the lake like we enjoyed for 20-some years, please be careful on the lake. I mean, you know, everybody knows the last three years with the people that spear and everything, there's a lot of them that don't throw their ice chunks back in, back in the hole and you got to be careful. You hit one of those ice chunks going pretty fast, and your machine is totaled out. And that's not the worst part. The worst part is, I, you know, I hope you're going to be okay if you hit an ice chunk from the spearing. A few things to keep in mind if you're heading out Mille Lacs Way. As Steve said, uh, getting around out there is, like any of our lakes right now, is tricky at best. But uh, maybe if you want to get out and do a little snowmobiling, a little cross-country skiing, not a bad way to go. Malax is a good destination for that. Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. I appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we'll talk to Brian at Bro, Bro's Doll. He'll weigh in on some perch tactics and talk a little crappie fishing as well when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. 
Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Always a treat to have Brian Bro Brosdahl join us, and uh, he drops by this week, and we've got a variety of things to uh, talk to Bro about. First off, uh, welcome back to the show, Bro. Hey, thanks for having me. We're going to talk a little bit about some uh, panfish tactics, but uh, first I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on perch fishing, Bro. Oh, perch, perch are a wonderful fish. Uh, you know, morning and evenings, uh, crappies bite, but perch bite during the day. That's why I like them. I like action, and uh, you know when you go perch fishing, you're going to catch a lot of fish. Perch don't get really huge, so a, a good uh, jumbo perch is anything over 10 inches up to 13 inches. And uh, these are a volume fish, and they're really popular with out-of-staters because it's the only fish that we have that you could have a double limit. You could have 20 a day, 40 possession, and uh, they're tremendously popular, and uh, they're, they're wonderful eating. We all know that the Dakotas have great perch, too, but... They're, they're boom or bust. You go there, you go there and, uh, and scratch out. Uh, they do have some giants, but we have consistent jumbo perch uh, factories, I would call it, Lake Winnipegosh, Leech Lake. There's, it takes so much to grow big perch. And uh, in Wisconsin, Green Bay used to have big perch. It was rivaled by no other body of water. They had giants. But uh, their population crashed, and uh, their traditions were uh, eating perch and and uh, so they, they have to travel to get them. And they do have a few lakes like Madison Chain and all that that have a few jumbo perch, but not like ours. Their jumbo perch there are the ones that we throw back here. <laughs> <laughs> and you had said, too, I mean, through the years, our, our bag limits have changed, and so things have had to evolve a little bit. Oh, yeah. they. This was the mecca for them, uh, for anybody co- coming out of state, because we had no limits at our perch. And quite honestly, very few Minnesotans that I know even targeted perch. Perch were a nuisance. They steal your bait while you're fishing for crappies or walleyes, and uh, and sometimes didn't uh, get received very well when they were caught in a boat or through the ice. And uh, I, I remember in the past, just like eel pout used to litter the lakes, you'd drive around, you'd see eel pout laying all over the lakes, and now they don't because everybody loves them. You used to see perch littered all over the lakes. And I'm going back not, not 10 years, but 20 years ago, there was big perch all over the lakes just laying there, and then I think it, it took basically it took Wisconsin and and Iowa showed us that hey these these are uh, something good and uh, they're like a little and and, and uh, Illinois is, they really love perch but our, our our tourism showed us that how tremendously popular the perch are plus if you do get out out of state and you look in the the fish markets perch are almost twice as much as a walleye so it's amazing and uh, now. There's more Minnesotans than ever, but still our, our biggest population in what I call the March Perch Madness is uh, Wisconsin, and they love them, and, uh, and uh, they, they know the area well. But uh, I, I get a lot of phone calls for uh, big jumbo perch, and uh, they're, they're fun because while you're fishing for the right-sized perch, you're catching other ones. It's, it's a high-volume deal. You, you, you get a lot of bites and a lot of action to get the right ones, and you set your mark on what size you want to keep, and then you just kind of grind through fish all day. The lakes are always changing, and uh, sometimes when, when perch are targeting themselves, perch are actually cannibals, they eat young of the year perch, and they also eat shiners, whatever, they're opportunists. When they are targeting young of the year perch, they'll hit spoons. They love spoons, and that's because they're chasing minnows. So spoons, uh, like a, uh, a small 30-second old buckshot or a forage, a, a forage fry, uh are probably 
the most popular perch baits ever. And uh, some of the classic colors, gold has always been a tried true color in the area. But uh, you know, with the with all these glow colors uh, in different colors, I would say the the newest hot one would be day glow perch. It's a it's a glowing perch pattern. Any kind of fire tiger, and then puppet minnows, uh, which are just like a chicken wrap. All that stuff in, in fire tiger that represents perch or anything else, they love it. And, but if they're not chasing young of the year perch, if they're not chasing minnows and they're eating insects, that's where uh, you can get by. You're not so much you're not using a minnow head on a spoon. You're using Brobug. One of the first things I designed uh, over 15 years ago at Northland Tackle looks like a a larvae coming out of the out of the mud, and they they eat mayfly larvae. They eat uh, bloodworms or anything else that uh, comes out of there, and if they're on a bug bite, you could you could do really well using plastics uh, and uh, any of the bug collection I designed. And then there's other times where you just uh, bring bring waxworms, uh, bring spikes, which are uh, maggots or urolarvae, you can call them, a small bait uh, for uh, cold front conditions, and then uh, size up when you can. But there are times when you can't beat a minnow. A minnow on a hook, uh, they love uh, uh, medium-sized uh, fatheads. And you'll go into bait shops, they'll have fatheads for walleyes, they'll have crappie minnows. And the middle-sized dace or fathead is a perch mix. Just hanging a, a minnow on a uh, small red hook, or you could try different colored hooks themselves. And even a drop shot. I like to use drop shots and set rods on uh, buckets. And, and I actually designed a rod specifically for perch fishing and and on a bucket, it's a it's a 28 inch dead stick, and it it's got a noodle tip, so the fish could hit it, and you don't need a bobber because the tip moves, it gives, and then uh, you got time to get to it to set the hook. But drop shots or a split shot and a hook on the nice days, um, and then also just moving around. I always say that you know in perch fishing, if you could just bucket weather is great. You go whole hop, sit on a bucket, even in a fish house. If if, if you want to sit in one spot, it's the only fish you know that the schools are going to come through several times in a day, and you don't even have to chase them. So as far as aggressively, do you want to jig aggressively? Does that help your chances? Or if you just want to stare at a bobber, is that okay too, and both of those work? Oh, yeah. Uh, both work. I have a I have a guide friend that when I go and I, I drill out a lake, he tends to go really slow and sit in a hole. And, you know, sometimes I, I'll come back and he's still in the same hole, but the it complements my style because I'm gone. I drill too much and I'm all over the place. Well, he'll start catch. Some days he'll catch more sitting on a good contact point, a good uh, area, good inside turn, or or uh, just the right feature. N- nothing uh, super sharp, just a gradual break. And uh, he'll he'll be hammering them. So sometimes sitting is better. It's not all about cutting the ice from one end to the other. That's nice if it's slow and you want to go pick off fish faster you know, running a string of holes, but we don't have to have a, uh, a drill-a-thon to see who can drill the most holes. Just drill a dozen holes in a zigzag pattern and work your way through them, and, and you'll find that there'll be one spot where you'll keep catching fish in that same hole, and that's the place that we set up the house. It's no different than when I'm walleye fishing or crappie fishing. There'll be one spot that'll hold the perch better than the others, and it, that you'll look with an aqua view under the water to see what's there, and it looks pretty much the same, but it's their travel route. From wherever they're coming, they'll they'll come through an area 
uh, we've written stories, cryptic cruising lanes, and all these different mitigating factors which uh, perch travel. And they, when, when they do come out of the basin of the lake and they do head into the food shelves, there are certain areas where they just keep showing up over and over. And when you find those spots, that's a spot you could you could drop a house and catch them every time. Perch love flats, uh, cara flats, which is a skeletal fragment and algae that grows on the bottom. They actually spawn in it. Eel pout also spawn in it. Uh, gravel bottom areas, uh, old weed beds. They're in these areas because there's there's bloodworms. Bloodworms feed on dying weeds, and bloodworms are tiny. They look like a little angleworm, but super micro. And when the perch are eating them, they'll cough them up in the hole or mayfly. So somewhere near the basin, the first contact points near a basin, and where you where you catch them in, around opener day, they're not far from the where you're, you're at. You can actually see the area usually from where you catch them. You'll catch walleyes on the walleye spawning areas, but the, the perch have the weedy areas nearby. Those fish aren't far from there uh, from now till spring, and uh, they just ramp up more and more. Deep water when there's a cold front, uh, and uh, they're, they're going to slowly start moving out of deep water. But on Lake Winnipegosh, you don't have to go really hyper deep. Uh, they used to, in the past, we were known chasing the fish in the 20 to 34s, but now it's been more the 18 to 21, right on that edge. Just like a walleye break line, or you would drag a leech for a walleye uh, near near the weed beds, that's where the perch are hanging on uh, Bemidji, Winnipegosh, and Leech Lake. And Leech Lake has more shallow flats, so they'll roam, but you can uh, definitely get on them. And uh, when you're in in the area, stop by in the bait shops, they'll, they'll send you in the right direction. And then from there, you know, they're not going to say go to this hole, but if they give you an area, you know you can find them. And... Uh, I, I would say if you have uh, four guys or so, you, you spread out, you know, do two in one spot, two in another, or, or completely spread out on the ice. If you watch how the Wisconsin guys fish, they're never next to each other. They are spread across the lake, and they all have orange clothing. <laughs> they're deer hunting clothing. And, uh, but they find them every time, and uh, I'll tell you. Uh, so, yeah, there's nothing better than getting out and catching some perch. And then another uh, fish to chase crappies the crappies it seems to me from uh, western minnesota to duluth and everything in between there's some great year classes of crappies coming up even as far away as osakis you know that's that's not in our area but i just want to let you know there are crappies all over the place in uh great year classes some lakes uh we're seeing a lot of uh, uh 11 inch crappies and some 12s and 13s here and there but uh, that's generally not the rule, so uh, it's it's kind of exciting having good populations of crappies back, and uh, uh, they had uh, some good good hatches here, uh, good spawns uh, several years ago, and now they're in our lakes uh, really well. Uh, so we got another fish to target. They're fun, they're shallow, and you can catch them right under the ice in shallow bays. They'll move up in there. I, I try to tell people just to be cautious. Take your ten and be done with it. Don't uh, don't sort fish in deep water. If, this, if a small one comes up, that's the one you keep. Even though they swim away, they they bleed internally and they're dead. So crappies do not sort in deep water. They come up shallow. You know, then you can immediately release a fish. But uh, uh, earlier winter, January through uh, March, they tend to be a little bit deep. Any special tactic there, uh, bro, that you like to use for crappies this time of year? Oh, I love using plastics for crappies. One of my favorite is. Uh, is uh, the water bug, and then the the 
slug bug in a, a impulse plastics by Northland. Um, and then, of course, the bro bughead. It's kind of a funny name, but easy to remember, the bro bughead or the bro bug. Uh, just add the plastic to it, the plastic tail. And water bug is really cool. It looks like a little frog, a flat frog. And uh, you wouldn't think it would be great for crappies. We hammer them on that thing. They just love the shape of it. It's a home run. I've used it even when I'm traveling uh, for work uh, in the Mid-South. I catch them on that water bug. I catch them anywhere, anywhere in Minnesota, down in the Mississippi River to uh, where I live, to Duluth, to Brainerd area. That water bug is a home run, so stock up on it at your local shop. But uh, try that on a bug head or just get a 30-second-ounce jig. You want a, a longer hook, it's a bigger bait, and you'd be surprised. Even in the heart of winter when people are using tiny baits, I drop the water bug, and the crappies have no problem eating it. So that's something to check out. That's uh, uh, Brian Bro- Brosdahl. If people want to get a hold of you, Brian, and maybe check you out, see what you're up to, what's the easiest way to do that? The best thing is Facebook. Uh, check me out at uh, Brian Brosdahl Promotions on Facebook. Bro, thanks a ton. I appreciate it. All, all kinds of great information there. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you again, okay? Hey, thanks for having me. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Of course, we wrap up the uh, ice fishing walleye and pike season this weekend. Now shifting gears to other species. We've talked about pout on the show already. Uh, We've also talked a little bit about crappie. And uh, we've talked some perch as well. And uh, I thought I'd bring in Paul Nelson. Paul is a uh, professional fishing guide, also an outdoor writer, a television personality uh, here in the state of Minnesota. Paul, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you had an article that I thought was pretty interesting uh, about how to, you know, grow perch in, in, in your lake. And a lot of uh, people, myself included, love to, to go after those jumbo perch. Kind of give us a rundown of what that article was all about and what you were trying to, what point you were trying to get across. I guess it's just, uh, you know, the biology of perch that it takes very specific conditions to be able to grow jumbo perch, especially jumbos in numbers, and that's kind of what we're all looking for. So it's more kind of finding the lake that has that. Usually it takes a larger lake to supply them with everything they need. I mean, perch rely on huge numbers. They're kind of the base of the food pyramid. Even perch eat other perch, so I mean, everything in the lake is eating them when they're in that ecosystem. They have about a 10-year life cycle. Normally, anglers would start to harvest them about year seven, depending on the growth rates. And, you know, any uh, gaps in the age classes with those fish, it's going to cause, you know, a delay where those fish then will be harvested a little bit earlier. But basically, what perch need is they have to have everything in their life cycle at all stages of their lives, it's got to be easy for them. They have to have plentiful. they got to have lots of everything. So, you know, in the summertime, they need a lot of, uh, you know, the big flat car covered flats. They're going to hold both crayfish and minnows. Um, they have to have plenty of weeds to lay their eggs on. They kind of lay their eggs in strands. So there has to be enough weed in the lake in order for them to lay their eggs. During the wintertime, they need a lot of mud in the basin so that there's going to be a huge insect population so that they can feed on bloodworms or uh, mayfly or, or uh, dragonfly larvae. So basically what it takes to get perch is they got to have huge numbers. It's got to take 
very successful spawning so that they're putting in age classes, good age classes, almost year over year, and then plenty full bow spawning and feeding habitat in order for those fish to be able to reach jumbo size and the numbers that we're looking for as anglers. Uh, what about, I, I did notice one thing in the article that you mentioned uh, that is also helpful for uh, perch, and that's freshwater shrimp. Yeah, that's one of the foods that's kind of a bonus food. Those things don't exist everywhere. They've got their own little specific uh, tendencies. They need a little bit more alkaline in the water. If it's too acidic, they don't uh, really, they don't thrive in the lake. And, you know, the best example is the best perch lake we have right now, and that's Devil's Lake out in North Dakota. There isn't anything that's growing them faster. And as the water is rising in Devil's Lake, it's, it's, actually taking new territory and that increases the weed mass in the lake and so that lake has got all sorts of spawning habitat it has freshwater shrimp as a bonus plus the minnows of all other species it's got uh, you know uh, the basin is mud and it's very fertile so it's going to have the insects Uh, so right now I mean the hottest lake right now is Devil's Lake and people really especially in the winter time you know, if you're an avid perch fisherman, you got to go out there because you really got a chance at at numbers of fish well over a pound with a real good chance at two plus pounders. And you can't say that about many lakes. That's true. And uh, a couple of lakes here locally. Uh, let's touch on Malax if you want for a second, Paul, because um, you know that used to be a really, really great perch lake, and then uh, a lot of things have changed with that lake. But one thing I've talked to people. Uh, they're noticing a lot of small perch. So what needs to happen, do you think, in Mille Lacs for that perch population to get back somewhere to where it used to be, say, five, ten years ago? Mille Lacs is, uh, is a unique situation. It, uh, there was more pressure on the perch because guys couldn't keep the walleyes. And then they've got uh, zebra mussels, which have an exponential growth. It'll be go like one, two, four, you know, 10,000. I mean, it, you know, there's a little bit, then a few more, and then boom, there's lots of them everywhere. And those little guys are actually eating the plankton. And early in the life cycle of a perch, and it's the same with walleyes and other species, there's that time where they've got a little bit of an egg sac right after they hatch. Once that's gone, they have to find something else to eat, and they're going to be eating zooplankton. Well, in order for zooplankton numbers to be high enough, that spring's got to be warm enough for the photoplankton or the algae to be able to start out. They need uh, warmer water temperatures, so if it's real cold, there'll be less of them. And now they're competing with those zebra mussels, too, because they're eating the same thing that those little perch and walleyes need to eat for, you know, a couple weeks up to a month of their life cycle before they're big enough to target other, you know, tiny bits of, of food or prey. So... That's a tough one. I mean, as long as they get a good hatch in there, but it just it doesn't matter really how many perch you have of the little perch. It's how many of them are around, you know, at that six or seven year rate, uh, you know, time frame in their ten year or so life cycle. Because those are the ones that people are going to be able to fish and harvest. So if there's a gap, you got to wait for them, and then people are anxious, and that largest group that's coming up is going to get picked on early which knocks them back, too. So there's a whole lot of variables and dynamics in, in a situation like Black. Sure, and a lot of, you know, you mentioned, too, the predatory factor, too. There's a lot of predatory fish in that lake. Yeah, everything eats perch, including other perch. I mean, they're the base of the food pyramid. So if there's a lacking of, of shiners or anything else, that's, that's going to knock those perch down, too. And, again, 
in order to get a bunch of jumbo perch, it relies on huge numbers. I know you keep an eye on Leech Lake, too, Paul. Uh, Leech, actually, there it's on a little bit of a down cycle, too. We had fantastic big perch fishing in there, but those fish will get caught and move out of the system. There was a lot of, you know, 9- and 10-year-old fish. And those got hit pretty hard, and then it was followed up by a little bit of a gap. So right now, there's some large individual fish, but it's hard to get limits of those fish. And the next group that's coming up is just getting to the point where anglers are going to want to keep those. But actually, leech, um, you know, that kind of peaked two or three winters ago, and the last winter or two have been a little bit tougher out there. There's always perch in the lake. You can still find them, but it's the easy pickings that people are looking for, and the huge numbers maybe aren't there. Large individuals, but again, you're not you know, getting limits of larger ones. That's tough. And you mentioned, too, even uh, some smaller bodies of water. Uh, if, if people you know, maybe don't want to head out to the big ones, uh, some of these smaller bodies actually can sustain a pretty good perch population, too. Very true. It usually takes a unique situation. Uh, a lot of times, if you know, it's real tough for a lake under maybe a couple thousand acres to to produce good numbers of those perch. They can have an exceptional class that will move through the system. They're not going to be as consistent producers. Uh, if they do have the elements uh, to grow them, it's still going to be a little more hit and miss. The best situation is if they're, it's on a chain of lakes, and maybe they've got one of the lakes and the chain is real weedy and shallow, where there's going to be kind of a, a feeder system into the other lakes where those perch are going to develop in that one lake that's shallower that has a lot of weeds, maybe doesn't have quite as many predators in it. And once they get larger, they'll move throughout the system and, and fill up the lakes that maybe have a little bit more of the better habitat for them. So it usually, if it is a smaller lake, it's usually not a lake that without an inlet or an outlet that's not connected to anything. That, that's more unusual than maybe one on a chain of lakes where they've got, you know, a kind of a unique situation. Winnebagosh has got tons of perch in it, but most of them are smaller. It's really tough. you got to sort through a lot of the fish, walking out in different areas, too. So you basically have to go out on a lake that has the reputation, and then, you know, by looking at your maps, either a Lake Master map or, or a, you know, a map where you have access to, you need to be able to get out to some, you know, edge of a weedy flat on a good lake uh, early in the year that, you know, close enough where you're willing to walk and, and get out there. You know, a lot of times perch will, they like flats, whether it's shallow or deep flats. So, I mean, some of the lakes have a more of a reputation for shallow fish. Um, others have a rep for deep fish in the wintertime, and some of them are kind of split between the two. So a little bit of a knowledge of the area and picking the right lake. Uh, not just any lake is going to have them, you know, so I, I think you'd be want to walk out on one of them that has a reputation of, of producing the larger fish. Like you said, too, if a person wants to go on a bit of a road trip, Devil's Lake, not a bad destination, huh? I, I want to go as many times as I can. And, you know, this is kind of a deal like the, you know, the crappies in Red Lake. I mean, this is the, the it's on an upswing, a super high swing, and to miss out on it uh, would be a shame for anybody who's really serious about ice fishing. Paul Nelson, a very accomplished guide, writer, and uh, TV personality. Uh, thanks a ton, Paul, for the info. Uh, it's great talking to you, and I'm sure we'll talk to you down the road here a little bit. Sounds really good. All right, more of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Time for our Hungry Hunter segment here on Brainerd Outdoors. As always, we bring in Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon in Baxter. Very interesting recipe this week, Joel. We go with pheasant pot pie. So we're going to start off with a pound of pheasant diced up. You have some onions, celery, carrots, 
We'll start cooking that off in a saucepan over the medium heat and a little bit of butter. Just start cooking that down, let the carrots uh, get to go out in nice tender, nice tender form. Add in some peas, garlic, thyme, and fresh parsley. Let that cook a little bit. And then we'll stir in the flour. Let that cook. Another one or two minutes. We don't want to burn the flour. We want to get a little, just a little caramelization going on it. Add in some chicken broth and a little bit of milk. Bring that up to a boil. Let that sauce kind of thicken together. We want to get that nice creamy pot pie that's going on. We're just going to pour that into a couple of uh, already unbaked pie crusts. Kind of want the easier out on this one. I sure. I don't feel like rolling out <laughs> pie crust. So we'll go with the uh, already made pie crust. Pour it in there. Put the pie crust top on, on the top. Pinch the sides. Seal it in. Cut off any extra dough. And uh, pop it in the oven. Preheated oven. 425 degrees. You know, 30, 35 minutes until it's nice and golden brown on top. We got a good pot pie. And by all means, if somebody wanted to make their own pie crust, they could, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not the uh, pie crust making guy. I'm 100% so really... with you right there. Uh, very obvious question here, Joel. If somebody didn't have pheasant, uh, I'm sure you could substitute anything. Any, any kind of game bird would be awesome in here. You know, you could even go with the classic route of chicken. Sure. There you go. Well, if you want to give it a try, pretty simple recipe this week. It sounds awesome, though. Uh, pheasant pot pie. Head to our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the recipes tab. A whole bunch of recipes for you to check out, including this one. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that will wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Don't forget, you can stream the live show if you're away from your radio or out of town at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. You can also find the show on demand there. And, of course, we're all over the podcast network, whether it be iTunes, Podcast One, wherever you download podcasts. Search Brainerd Outdoors, download, subscribe, rate, and review. We would appreciate that as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.